0: First came terror, then came revenge. Treachery must follow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 17, the Real Spies Real Lives podcast. This is where we talk about writing, spies, and writing about spies. I'm your host, espionage author P.A. Duncan. Last week, in addition to the podcast episode I did about a new kind of traitor, I wrote a blog post about it, too. A member of the intelligence community, whom I've known for a while, copied the link and posted it to their LinkedIn account, and it got lots of notice. And that podcast episode got a lot more plays than a usual episode, so I guess I'm doing something right. I mean, I am still a rank amateur at this podcasting thing, though. The platform I use to distribute the episodes, Spotify Anchor, recently sent me an article on the Five Steps to a Professional Podcast. And I look them over and turns out I'm already doing all five. So maybe my amateur status is waning a bit. Next month, Promotion for my next espionage novel begins in earnest. Treachery is book three of the series Meeting the Enemy. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes about that series, let me refresh you. Or you could go listen to them. Meeting the Enemy deals with the events of 9-11 and its aftermath in a completely fictional manner. Oh, the true history is there. But I've interlaced it with how I perceived the events as a citizen of the U.S., a former federal employee, I still worked for the Federal Aviation Administration at that time, and a civil libertarian. So, my personal perspective is decidedly on the progressive side of the coin, so far there have been no bad reviews to that effect, but I'm sure they're coming. Book one, titled Terror, begins on the day itself, nine eleven, and deals with Mai Fisher's and Alexei Bucharin's actions on that day, and for several weeks after. Mai goes undercover in the CIA, and Alexei, thinking Mai is dead in the rubble of the World Trade Center, where she was looking at real estate for her private business, heads for Afghanistan for his revenge. Indeed, book two is titled Revenge, but it doesn't only focus on Alexei's revenge, and it takes place in Afghanistan at the beginning of the brief post-9-11 war there. Revenge is probably the most action-packed of the three books so far. Book three, Treachery, due to come out in late June, is more a political thriller with my imaginings of how things happened in the White House during the lead-up to the Iraq War. It has some action, but it's more subdued. There's more intrigue political manipulation, and behind-the-scenes maneuvering than in books one and two. And, of course, the series title, Meeting the Enemy, I adapted from the Pogo character's declaration, We Have Met the Enemy and He is Us. Meeting the Enemy, in some ways, has been one of the easiest of my series to research its recent history, and there are plenty of primary sources, including myself. One minor event I participated in, I included in book one, Terror. However, the series has been one of the most difficult to write, to get the words on the screen, or the page, as it were. Reliving that day and both its immediate and protracted aftermaths raised emotions I'd long suppressed. To this day, I still can't watch commemorations of 9 11. I honor those who lost their lives in such a horrific attack that involved something that meant so much to me aviation. But I can't watch it anymore. I also remember the so-called war on terror and the PATRIOT Act's passage which I personally consider one of the early steps toward a certain political party's fascination with authoritarianism and I remember the build up to the Gulf War the lies about weapons of mass destruction and about Iraq's involvement in 9/11 indeed The epigraph to Book Three, Treachery, is a quote from President George W. Bush to the effect that the hardest part of his job was trying to connect Iraq to the war on terror. Now, all of this has led me to write some over the top villains and some unexpected good guys in my fiction. However, Reliving some of the darkest moments in governance and politics wasn't easy. Why, you ask? What you wrote is fiction. Well, it is, but it's based in history. The kind of history people are trying to ban in places like Texas and Florida because it shows the U.S. in a bad light. Now, I didn't write this series to demean or denigrate the U.S. I served this country in my own way for 30-plus years. Rather, I want my grandchildren, who were all born well after 9-11, to understand what a slippery slope is. Book Two, Revenge, ended on a big, literal cliffhanger with Mai and Alexei at last reunited, but in a cave in the Tora Mountains that's about to be bombed by the U.S. Air Force. Book three, Treachery, picks up right there, moves on to Odessa, Ukraine, then ends up in Washington, D.C., where the rest of the story plays out. Treachery has a bit of a cliffhanger at its conclusion, though Not as intense as the one in Book 2, Revenge, but it leads to Book 4, the conclusion of the series, whose title is somewhat self-explanatory, Rendition. Rendition should be out at the end of the year. If you've listened to the episodes about Book 1, Terror, you know that this series had an inauspicious beginning as a short story. While working full-time dealing with the aviation aspects of 9-11 and also watching the recovery efforts in New York, the Pentagon, only about two miles as the crow flies from my old office, and Shanksville, Pennsylvania, I realized I needed for someone to get out alive. So I dashed out a story based on a real event during the New York days of rescue before it became recovery, and that offered me some solace. Then as things progressed politically, I realized this was more than a short story. It became a novel, then a two-book series, then a trilogy, and now a four-book series. Again, easy to research, at times difficult to get the words on the page. So book three, Treachery, is in the galley stage right now, meaning I have a copy of the book formatted so that it looks like how the book will look, and I'm reviewing the galleys literally word by word. There's always been some debate about whether there's anything glamorous about writing, being a writer. And reviewing galleys is certainly not glamorous at all, in no way, shape, or form. It's a real hands-on experience with those words printed on sheets, a red pen, and copy-editing symbols, tedium personified, and of course, you know. Despite that meticulous attention to detail, a typo or several will escape. Ah yes, such glamour. And now it's commercial time. Today, April 27th, and tomorrow, April 28th, are the last two days of my 2015 novellas, the Yellow Scarf, and My Noble Enemy being available for free. Yes, that's right, free ebooks. It's my birthday week, and I'm giving presents to readers. Today, April 27th, is also the official launch of Prologue to Treachery, the prequel to Treachery. So if you pre-ordered Prologue to Treachery, check your Kindle library and start reading. I'll put the links to the free novellas and the prequel in the description of this episode. Now, here's what's coming in May. Starting on May 1st, my short story collection, Spy Flash 2, will be on sale for the whole month for only $1.99 for the ebook. Spy Flash 2 contains four full length short stories that I wrote during the summer of 2016, which ended up being a tumultuous season in news and politics. Now by full length, short stories, I mean each of them is more than 7,500 words long. So it's, it's a good sized book. The four stories reflect what was happening in the country in foreign policy, in politics, and so forth during that summer of 2016. The first podcast in May, I will put the link to Spy Flash 2 in the episode description, but if you go to my Amazon author page at amazon.com author slash Phyllis Duncan, you can find Spy Flash 2 there. May 15th is when the novel Treachery will be available for pre-order. The cover reveal will be a few weeks later, and Treachery itself will launch on June 24th. More details will come in May. And commercial over. Since it launches today... Let's read from Prologue to Treachery. Now, this is a flashback prequel to the early 1990s, and Edwin Turrell Jr. is still alive and looking for a job in his post-CIA retirement. He finds something that looks too good to be true, and it is. In fact, while he's working for the government contractor Fullerton Specialties, he's also spying on them for the directorate. This passage that I'm going to read comes from the final chapter. Prologue to Treachery, Chapter 10, May 1999, Arlington, Virginia. Earlier in his life, Edwin Terrell Jr. would have peered through the peephole to see if the person who'd rung his doorbell was the person he expected. Now he didn't care if he opened the door to an assassin. Tyrrell was a reasonably tall man, six feet four inches, but the man in the doorway would have to duck to come inside. Muscles strained the suit jacket, and the ballistic vest beneath his shirt added to the bulk. None of it was fat. The man's nose was misshapen, and several scars on his chin and forehead were a darker black against his dark skin tyrrell said didn't you used to be yes sir step aside sir so i can clear for mr nelson the giant said his voice deep and rumbling tyrrell stepped aside and opened the door wider in his heyday he would have had a serious struggle overcoming this former professional football player now The guy would be able to put him down with a flick of a finger. Hand on the butt of a sidearm, the bodyguard came in and began his assessment. The apartment was small, barely a step up from a studio, so the assessment was quick. Nelson watched from the doorway. Terrell raised an eyebrow at Nelson and got a shrug and a half-smile in response. The bodyguard came from the small bedroom and said to Nelson, all clear, sir. The bodyguard took up a stance in a corner of the living room where he could see everything. Nelson came in, and Tyrrell closed the door. Nelson took in the bare walls, the scant amount of furniture, and the couple dozen packed moving boxes and turned to Tyrrell. Going somewhere? Nelson asked, leaning on his canes. You, um uh, you might say that. The only place to sit was an oversized sofa, which Terrell had been using as his bed, given the pillows and blankets there. A small trash can sat on the floor at the end of the sofa with Terrell's pillows. Nelson glanced at the trash can, but if he saw the balled-up bloody tissues in it, he didn't react. Terrell scooped up the pillows and blankets, slowly, so he wouldn't set off a coughing fit and placed them atop a stack of the boxes. Have a seat, Terrell said. Sorry, I don't have anything to drink here. Uh, Does the muscle have to stay? He looked at the bodyguard. No offense. None taken, sir, and I have to stay. You'll find A.D. is the most discreet of men, Nelson told him. Feel free to say what you have to say, but don't dawdle. I can't leave the children alone for too long because I left Nathan in charge. Jesus, he'll stage a coup if you're not careful. Indeed. Nelson tucked his canes between the cushion he sat on and the arm of the sofa. He pointed to the coffee table, which held a box of tissues, several prescription vials, and an inhaler. Do you mind if I prop a leg? Oh, go ahead. It's not coming with me. Where are you headed? Stuff's going in storage. I'm going to do some traveling and... Until I can't. Nelson nodded, his eyes narrowed at his old friend. Lung cancer? You keeping an eye on me? No, you've always smoked too much. The inhaler, the pills, the bloody tissues in the trash. Yeah, Stage four, both lungs. Nelson winced and said, Treatment plan? None. Oh, the docs at Bethesda and the ones I went to for second opinions all said it was only possible to slow down the progression, manage the pain. For maybe a year, probably less. No cure. So, I'm packing everything up, storing it, and going to places I've always wanted to go. When the end comes, I'll find some place quiet and off the beaten track and deal with it once and for all. Well, that's fucking dismal. Yeah, but no way I'm spending my last cogent hours pumped full of chemo and morphine, Terrell said. Well, the morphine might be nice, but not the other shit. Does my know? Nelson asked. Terrell shook his head. I'm debating whether to tell her or have a letter sent to her after the fact. You could have told me this in a phone call, Nelson said. Lots of easier ways to say goodbye. I'm only personally speaking to a few people. I'm having lunch with my niece tomorrow, and I'll catch up with my nephew Alex when I hit Europe. Mai's still working in the Hague, right? Yes, head of security for the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia. I loaned her to them so she and Alexei could be together. I tossed some minor stuff her way, mostly in the Balkans to keep her from going stir-crazy. I suspect she hates her job, though she's doing it at her usual level of excellence." Um, not in her makeup to do otherwise. So, why am I here? I need to square something up with you. The work I did for you on Fullerton specialties and security solutions, I, I held stuff back. Well, I suspected that. Your politics and theirs were too well aligned, but what you gave me, I have no complaints about. It's been useful. Terrell turned on the sofa to look at A.D., the bodyguard. I hate to ask, but if I move around too much, I end up coughing my guts out, and it ain't pretty. You could spare me the embarrassment and you the gross-out if you bring that briefcase to me. Terrell pointed to a leather case on the kitchen counter. A.D. looked at Nelson, who nodded. A.D. strode to the briefcase and brought it to Terrell. Aren't you going to check it for explosives? Terrell asked. The big man didn't seem like a slacker. Mr. Nelson trusts you, sir. Terrell sat with the briefcase balanced on his knees, his hand palmed down atop it. What Fullerton and SS didn't know was that I kept good records of everything about them I witnessed and experienced. Pay slips that show where the money came from and who signed the checks and what that money paid for. Even when they gave me cash, which was how they paid bonuses, I kept a record of who gave it, how much, when, what specific event it was for, and the serial numbers on the bills. That level of detail, okay? Nelson nodded, smiling. You always put on a good act of being a slacker, but you were far from it. So what's in here? is what I didn't pass on to you initially. On zip disks, but the originals are there in those two cartons. He pointed to two boxes triple-sealed with tape sitting off to one side of the door. The zip disks are encrypted, but I've included the decrypt key. I've labeled each disk as to its contents. Nothing obscure, though I know how Grace Lydell likes puzzles. The one labeled Ruidosa? you should pay particular attention to. Delbert Stodden has these quarterly meetings there with businessmen and politicians, Supreme Court justices, etc., all Republican, all with impeccable conservative credentials. Among the things discussed there are talking points to be distributed to conservative media to make certain they can drive their points home. I was included in several of those meetings the past seven years. So make note of who was there, what they said, and the plans being made. The prologue to their treachery to come. Well, I suspected they were laying low after the Kansas City bomber turned out to be one of them, Nelson said. You don't know the half of it, Terrell replied. Aldo Ray, uh, not the actor, but the SS director who's a fan, sometimes talks too much after a couple of scotches. That right-wing cabal of yours I scoffed at? Much more involved with Killeen than you realize. Now, a lot of this may not be evidentiary. A lot of it is hearsay, but it is leverage. I've included stuff only Stodden, Ray and I know about. Now, if you use it against him, do so after I'm dust, and even then, be mindful of my brother, my niece, and my nephew. Nelson nodded, and Terrell knew that was as good as Nelson's trusted word. Why give it to me now, Nelson asked, other than you're dying. Do I need another reason? Well, like I said, you and Security Solutions, you and Delbert Stodden's politics, were a good fit. And I kept track of that plan you gave me. Some of the goals I suggested you hold off on, you did anyway. So why give me the leverage now you held back before? Tyrrell sighed, feeling a tickle at the back of his throat. He swallowed hard, and that eased it. When I was a CIA agent, I was approached so many times by the KGB, the Stasi, even MI6 and Mossad, they all tried to flip me and offered me, well, anything I wanted. But I would never sell out my country to an enemy or an ally. I wouldn't dishonor my father's Medal of Honor that way. Yeah, Staden's politics aligned with mine, but again, Pay attention to what's on the Rui discs, and you'll understand why I'm giving you this. You can always turn it down, you know, and I'll put it in storage with the rest of my stuff. Terrell cleared his throat and swallowed again. He would talked too much. Talking set off his coughing too often now, but this was the last time he'd see this man with whom he'd shared missions and too many bottles of scotch. And yes, women, but never too many of those. What I'm giving you will make a case against Stodden in particular, but I know after you look at everything, you'll know exactly when to use it against him. My withholding intel from you didn't set you back that much, by the way. I gave you enough to show you where to look yourself, and you did. This, he tapped the briefcase will definitely fill in the gaps and point you deeper into the shit they're planning. Your legacy? Nelson asked. No, my duty. To my country. To a friend. All right, that's all for this week. I'm headed out to celebrate my birthday. We just won't say which one it is. The significant one was last year, so I'm kind of not counting anyone after that. My present to me was a new 24-inch iMac desktop, which my old eyes are enjoying far better than squinting at the 15-inch MacBook Pro i'm not sure yet what i'm going to do to celebrate though my my daughter hinted that she was maybe going to take me out to dinner but we'll see but wherever it is wherever we go whatever we do you know i'll be keeping an eye out for spies The proceeding has been a production of Unexpected Paths Media, copyright 2023, all rights reserved. Join me next week for a brand new episode of the Real Spies Real Lives podcast. And as always, Slava Ukraini.